women involved in the club movement, also sought to teach the poor how to keep a household, manage a budget, and raise their children. This happened. This is so cringy. I quite simply cannot. It's like when you get through the education and healthcare, I'm like, yes, yes. Yeah, that's fine. And then how to raise their children. And how to keep their house. And how to keep your house. I'm trying to figure out how to keep money in the bank. I can't even get with a bank. Think about what time it is. Today we're talking about respectability politics and the black elite. (laughs) We talked about this back when we talked about black feminism. Some of our Black History Month episodes we brought up respectability politics and the civil rights movement. We're going to come at this from the angle of these women's clubs that we learned about when we talked about black feminism, because that's when we first heard of them. And we're like, what the fuck? What the fuck is this? (laughs) Like, seriously, I still think what the fuck? Oh, for sure. (laughs) Put these notes together. I'm like, y'all, why did we do this, black women? Now, like you have said, and I completely agree, it was twofold. Part of it was survival at the time. And then honestly, part of it was being the most privileged among the least privileged. They had some distance. And so they could say, well, if we just did X, Y, and Z, Black people, they'd treat us better, which was never true. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about all the different facets of the Black elite because, you know, that's a whole, we can do a fucking series on the Black elite, (laughs) all these different fucking organizations. The sure. Eastern Stars and shit. You know what I'm saying? But I did not know some of them were still in oh, um, yes. play today. Okay. And I, I've told you on several occasions, I cannot fucking stand elitism of any kind. Mm-hmm. So this was just immediately, I am predisposed against it. I'm predisposed against Black elitism or any type of elitism. So I already got a bone to pick, but let's get into it. So <sighs> first, we are going to talk about the Black women's clubs. Y'all got to hear about this shit. Jesus. The Black Women's Club movement emerged in the late 19th century. Essentially, it was made up of a lot of local reform organizations dedicated to racial betterment. I don't even like that phrase. Yeah. Fuck does that mean? Racial betterment? Oh, they got that from white people. To even think that your race needs to be bettered. Bettered? Come on, ladies. How did you not see it? Okay. You're supposed to be for black people, but you're using white ideology. It's tough. They had some unpacking to do. You understand? So much. Some of these women were born from people who were former slaves, right? Yeah, that's so true. They had to unpack the bullshit. And they never got the chance, so they perpetuated more bullshit onto their own. <laughs> so... These grassroots organizations were made up primarily of middle class women who were part of a larger progressive reform effort. These black women, they were passionate about serving their community. So they wanted to provide services, financial assistance, and moral guidance for the poor, though, y'all. Because you're such an expert. (laughs) Like, that's my beef. Oh, we're going to help these poor unfortunates because we're going to guide them because we are so much, we have so much superior moral guidance. Moral guidance. And the fact was, honestly rooted in that they were more impoverished like these black people who needed their moral guidance 
It's classism at its finest in the black community. That's it. That's all. These groups grew out of religious and literary societies and were a response to intensified racism in the late 19th century. Yeah. These organizations existed all over the country, but they're concentrated in the Northeast. Women involved in the club movement gained knowledge about education, healthcare, and poverty, and developed organizing skills. They also sought to teach the poor how to keep a household, manage a budget, and raise their children. This happened. <laughs> this this happened. is so cringy. I can't. I quite simply cannot. It's like when you get through the education and healthcare, I'm like, yes, yes. Yeah, that's fine. And then how to raise their children. Oh, dear God. And how to keep their house. And how to keep your house. I'm trying to figure out how to keep money in the bank. I Listen, can't even get with a bank. Think about what time it is. They didn't even really take into account what people really needed. They took into account what they thought these people needed. Mm. The local groups usually supported homes for the elderly, schools and orphanages. Many of these clubs addressed problems similar to those addressed by white women's clubs. That's a problem right there. That's a problem. Including health, sanitation, education and women's suffrage. I'm sorry. I'm with you on the health, sanitation, and education and women's suffrage, but you're coming at it from the wrong angle. Education should not center white values, and I'm going to keep going. (laughs) Black women's clubs also focused on combating racism and on racial uplift. I'm going to get to talking about racial uplift in a second. In Washington, D.C., the Black Women's Club movement was dominated by teachers concerned about children and their problems. Active participants held conventions, conferences, and forums to engage with the intellectual elite. Oh, that just fucking boils my blood. It does. Sorry, y'all. We're going to grr through this because it's just... Yeah. It's too much cringe. All the cringe ever. In 1896, the National Association of Colored Women formed... And uh, Mary Church Terrell, a supporter of Booker T. Washington, was Uh. its president and founder. And she focused on the notion of racial uplift, which is the belief that black folks would help end racial discrimination by advancing themselves and other black people through education, work and community activism. It was a strategy based on the power of equal opportunities to advance black people and her belief that as one succeeds, the whole race would be elevated. As one succeeds, the whole race would be elevated. I'm going to reiterate this point often, but I think it's so wild how black folks are expected to do the impossible. Mm -hmm. Think about any other race ethnicity of people nobody that i'm aware of right because i'm not i have the most familiarity with black america okay so if i'm wrong i'm wrong that's fine i'm already gonna Uh, tell you you're wrong but go ahead but nobody else seems to be expected to bring their entire culture ethnicity with them i'm assuming he's white i could be wrong but like Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or those guys, they're not expected 
too like well now that i like there are people who will say like yeah you're you should xyz I would, and but, see i'm still gonna argue against you i'm sorry i gotta stop you because i feel like in a lot of asian communities they are expected to bring their whole ethnicity and culture with them i would argue that it's more of a family thing not their whole culture <sighs> like you're you're more expected to help elevate your family because they're more family oriented here in the u.s yes but i do think some Asian countries, or that's just the example I'm using. Obviously, there are countries mm-hmm. in Europe and Africa like this as well, but they're a collectivist society. They have collectivist identity. And so your behavior reflects on your entire community, not just your family and not just you. Not so much over here in the United States. I don't agree okay. completely. I think that there is a set of guidelines one is to adhere to and one is not to deviate from. But I don't think that once one, I'm just going to say Japanese millionaire makes it, then that is to elevate all Japanese people to also become millionaires. And I guess we have two different interpretations of Of what Mary Church Terrell was expressing. Okay. What's your interpretation? My interpretation is not that, hey, because I made it, I need to give you a hand up. It's I need to be individually successful so that our race is elevated socially, not necessarily financially or economically. Like, yes, that should come along with it. But when we're talking about combating racism, this is more about elevating (laughs) the race politically, socially, right? In all aspects of life, not just economically. I'm using economics as an example. Sure. They want to be seen as people in the eyes of white people. That's really... That's That's what this type of elevation is. They want white people to stop killing and beating and otherwise discriminating against them. So, obviously, community activism was a big part of black women's clubs because the community is responsible for the individual that it produces. Agree with that. Okay. I would agree. Okay. With that. So it's not saying that you specifically, as a millionaire, need to uplift all these other people, but you should get involved with your community and make contributions that help uplift other people. Whether that's setting up a school or what, whatever the fuck, right? They did all sorts How of stuff. These people, the same, these people though? started banks and these people started these different education institutions. All of that takes finances. I understand what you're saying, like. Finances is not my only point. I just use that as an example. Like I'm saying, when a black person makes it here in the U.S. Is it unreasonable, though, to I don't know about expect, but I don't know if it's necessarily unreasonable to think that like you making it as a millionaire. I don't give a fuck what your race is should give back to your community in some way. That doesn't mean donating your money necessarily, but I do think you should. My point is that. I don't feel that that sort of pressure is put on other races the way it's put on Black people, especially here in this country. Probably not, but other races don't have the history that we have either. I don't think it's necessarily wrong to pressure people in that way, I guess. Hmm. If you decide to separate from the Black community altogether and go kick it with the other rich people... It doesn't matter. You're still Black. That's your choice, but you're still black. And are you obligated? No, but I guess I don't see anything wrong with that societal pressure to give back. I am not a well-off person and I give back. I do think that community activism or giving back in some way 
is very important. I guess I'm very biased. I don't see anything wrong with that societal pressure. Do I think that black people who are well off are pressured to do that in a way that folks of other races who are well off are not? I don't know. I'm only familiar with the pressure that exists within the black community, right? I'm thinking of the idea of the whole elevate the race thing. And if you act a certain way, if you achieve a certain thing, that that elevation, yes, is, is centering white folks. But I'm also thinking of the whole lift as we climb thing. And that I have a problem with. That's what I was going to get into. To me, that's kind of more of what I'm saying. Like only black people are expected to do the impossible of elevating their race as they themselves elevate. Like, well, sorry, that, that's an expectation you. perpetuated by the black community. So. Yeah, that's the whole point of this bullshittery Mm -hmm. that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, this is ridiculous. It was ridiculous then. It's It's ridiculous ridiculous now. The lifting as we climb motto was actually Mary Church Terrell's words. And that was the model of the National Association of Colored Women, which she founded to achieve educational and social reform and end discriminatory practices. (laughs) That's the part that gets me. The pressure to give back and lift your race. Listen, I understand it's a it is the impossible insofar as lifting your race in the eyes of other races. You can't do that. No. But ending discriminatory practices. Listen, man. That weren't put in place by us. We didn't start that. It's backward, too, because here's the thing about Mary Church Terrell. Her activism started when her friend Thomas Moss was murdered, I believe, by a mob of white people. And um, some white businessmen, by the way, they were mad that Thomas's business was competing with theirs. So Thomas was a successful black man. And they killed him. Who was murdered by white businessmen. And you're going to tell me becoming successful is going to help elevate the race? When he was The cognitive dissonance that this woman had. I cannot believe. And you, that's supposed to be your friend. So you should have known like he wasn't doing nothing. He wasn't out here, you know, whatever the late 1800s, early 1900s equivalent of running the streets was. He wasn't out here doing all that. He had a successful business. He presumably did all the respectable things. And that did not save him from being murdered by white people. So what exactly should he, could he have done to stop these white people from murdering him? I say not a damn thing. Yeah, this is what lifting as we climb ignores is that you should get involved in efforts to end discriminatory practices. But it's going to take allying with white people because ultimately they are the ones who promote and perpetuate it. If you're not going to do that, you're missing part of the puzzle, man, because the whole lifting as we climb thing is not addressing white hatred is still not. They hate that you're successful. They don't even think you should be. Your ass should be back in the field somewhere. Or at the very least, definitely not more successful than they are. You could be successful for a black person, but as long as you're not more successful than a white, like, how dare you? Like, that's what happened in Tulsa. They were like, what the hell? Well, how do all these black people have all this money? How do all these black people have all these businesses and stuff? How dare they have more money, more stability, more financial power than white people, than any white person? 
you know, there were some fronts on which poor white people united with black people. And then there were some, there were a lot of cases in which poor white people were fucking furious at black people taking jobs away from them, right? This was a big issue with the Great Migration. White people were furious that black people were flocking in, taking their jobs, so to speak. And there were lots of riots and murders and all of that bullshit over that. So it's like her privilege really made her oblivious. That's weird, man. And like she was born from people who were slaves. Now, Mary Churchill was very privileged because her parents, they did lift themselves up. Her father was a successful businessman and her mom owned a hair salon. And so they were successful people. Mary Church Terrell was able to do trips to Europe and tour Europe. Yeah, a lot of other black folks weren't doing that. No, but a lot of people in the middle classes, they were, right? Like Ida B. Wells was doing that. Mm -hmm. She was going back and forth to Europe. I mean, obviously for advocacy, not just to see the sights. See the sights. Yeah, I do think that her privilege distanced her from some harsh realities, even though she suffered that loss in her brain. Like I said, she hadn't unpacked some harmful ideas yet, thinking that your success could outdo white hatred. It mm. can't. To that point, speaking of middle class and their distance from white hatred, I was just reading this thing where Credit Scott King about a hundred so years later, was saying that, you know, the middle class, black middle class rather, did not have to interact with white people as much. She was like, we had cars. We weren't on the buses. We weren't walking the streets and stuff. So we had a modicum of distance where we did not have to suffer the humiliations and the indignities heaped upon poor black folks who had to interact more with white people on a regular basis. And I think that plays a part, a huge role in the thinking of women in these Black women's clubs. Because notice, in our research, we ain't never find one that was made up of predominantly poor Black women. Never saw one. No. It's interesting because we saw a lot of names in these clubs that we recognize. Black Beauty Highlights are people we've talked about before on mm-hmm. other episodes, like... We knew Anna Julia Cooper was NM because you brought that up in one of our Black Feminism episodes. Yeah. Magdalena Walker, one of your Black Beauty highlights. Like, How the fuck I keep pulling these bitches? <laughs> I mean, I decided to do Mary Church Terrell as a Black Beauty highlight because these women's clubs, while their reasoning behind what they did was fucked up, a lot of, a lot of what they did was very good. Yeah. Starting schools and orphanages and homes for the elderly other, and starting yeah, banks and services. providing social services. All of these are wonderful things and very necessary. They were very, definitely necessary at the time because we I were agree. just getting up off the ground, right? Uh-huh. So it is wonderful that they did that. I'm just hating on their reasoning. We have said many a time here that we tell the whole story. And so this is part of the whole story. And they all did great work in spite of this very flawed, very damaging logic that perpetuates. It's dying out now, but it perpetuated even till today. Yeah. And that's what we're going to get into next. Mm-hmm. What they were perpetuating was respectability politics. <sighs> Allow us disrespectfully to break down respectability (laughs) politics. Yeah, we don't adhere to it on this podcast. I have a definition. Oh, no way. Yes, I do. Yes. 
Respectability politics is a set of beliefs holding that conformity to prescribed mainstream standards of appearance and behavior will protect a person who is part of a marginalized group, especially a Black person, from prejudices and systemic injustices. Black respectability politics embraces the illusion of a level economic playing field. It says respectability politics place blame on groups already hindered by discrimination. Uh, We're reading this article and they talked about the origins of the term respectability politics. The term politics of respectability was coined by Professor Evelyn Brooks Higginbotham in her 1993 book, Righteous Discontent, the Women's Movement in the Black Baptist Church from 1880 through 1920. She examines the use of the respectability narratives by Black Baptist women to counter the images of Black Americans as lazy, shiftless, stupid, and immoral in popular culture, and appeals for both societal acceptance and equal legal protection. Societal acceptance. What the fuck? We're not there yet. So, (laughs) help! This is very flawed. We're going to talk about some of the flaws with respectability politics, but it does put a responsibility on people that is unreasonable. It's not fair. Like, you are responsible for how I treat you. I think you said something. I said the individuals responsible for representing their community rather than making it so that the community is responsible for uplifting and supporting the individual. When I say the community, I don't just mean the black community's responsibility to black people. I mean the community in general, this fucking country we live in, because it's going to take all of us to support and uplift each other. Putting that responsibility on one individual is just extremely unreasonable. Unreasonable. And you said something to the effect of, I'm going to butcher it, respectability politics, humanizing, in this case, Black people, where they should be seen as human without. Yes. Sure help respectability politics highlights the fact that it's not enough to be human to be respected or treated with decency Mm. like you have to earn it adhere to certain standards or have a certain standing in your community to be respected and that's bullshit Mm. it's bullshit people talk about stuff like human decency they don't have it they don't and the fact that you have to freaking basically be a train, be in a train circus in order to maybe garner some sympathy from, let's be honest, from white people. Mm-hmm. This is the end goal. We want white people to see us as citizens, as people just like them. So if we act like this, dress like this, talk like this, have this type of education, then they will see that we're just like them. But as you said, it's not accounting for the fact that there is innate white hatred toward black folks. And some white people don't come after yes. us. Yeah, not not in everyone. But anti-blackness is very much a thing in this society. And you can't educate your way 
or speak your way or dress your way out of people's biases. You said respectability politics attacks the individual and not the circumstances that created them. Exactly. And I understand that ultimately the circumstances that create an individual is just a collection of individuals, right? <sighs> yeah. It does not dismantle the systems that are in place, which we're always going to bring that up on this podcast because people try to come up with these different solutions. They try to come up with these different means to black advancement and black progress and black liberation. And they keep skirting around the issue. You're trying to do it without dismantling anti-blackness, without dismantling um, white supremacy. And that's the thing, like, set up your little organizations, women's clubs, but you're not overcoming white supremacy by doing that. It's like (laughs) saying, I want a chocolate cake, but you're using the white cake mix. And then you're like, well, if I just put chocolate icing on it, it'll be chocolate cake. No, you have to change the cake mix. Yes. You have to change the base. And people are not back then, especially, but even today, it's transformed. It changed clothes. Like it put on a hat and some sunglasses, but it's still fucking what it always was. And you have people denying that there are systemic issues at play. And like, I can't remember her name, but the young lady in Trayvon Martin's case. You know, black folks, especially was coming after her because they were like, she doesn't speak well. She speaks so ghetto and she's not a good character witness. And da, da, da. she like she's not meant to be taken seriously because she does not fit their idea of respectability. And how is she supposed to stand for Trayvon Martin? Like, look at or even more recently, the whole Will Smith and Chris Rock thing. They were like, oh, look at them. Look at Will Smith. You know, look at how he acted in front of white people. It's always centering like you have to act a certain way in order to be perceived a certain way. That whole, you know, I say it to women all the time, dress how you want to be addressed and all that other bullshit. But this does not take away from the fact that this is only the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. I mean, if I'm coming and acting rowdy and whatnot, that's on me. Sure. But that does not give you the right to treat me as less than human. Yeah. um, One of the articles that you found said that respectability politics can be used to justify harm being done if an individual or group is not perceived as respectable enough. Yes. Just like I told you, this lady that I work with, when the whole Black Lives Matter thing started, she was a black lady. And she was like, we stop, we need to stop killing ourselves first before we go and start talking about the police. And I'm just like, no, lady. Absolutely not. First up, again, we're back to the whole impossibility. Nobody else is asked the question 100% before I can take you seriously. Like, well, I want your house to be immaculate before you tell me what I could do. Meanwhile, everybody else up here got broken windows, missing doors and shit, but they're still afforded, you know, respect and humanity. But I have to be fucking beyond reproach before you can even consider treating me as a fucking human. And that's bullshit. It's crazy, too, because... They'll do that when it comes to, like, black people and police violence. But Mm -hmm. when white people shoot up schools and all these other places, you don't have the character of white people across the board called into question. Never. No. Never not once. (laughs) What's going on in the white community? Or why is it that... They need to talk about it. They need to talk about what's going on in the white community. I'm sorry. I've heard all these TikToks by these white people and they're like, we don't talk about stuff. Yeah, we know. That is a problem. We see that. Y'all need to get on that because y'all got some issues. 
but nobody calls into question white people like oh another white person has shot up a school now we got to be leery of all white people and you know like i've heard it even when like for example 9-11 after that happened a whole bunch of middle eastern people and people who are practitioners of islam and stuff muslims yeah muslims there were so many freaking stories about people being just randomly attacked and, you know, all these bans being put on on Muslim people and blah, 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 because of what some people did. But that never, that never happens, happens to white people, to white people. Never. I'm not saying that it should. What I'm saying is it shouldn't happen to anyone. It should not. Yeah. Another interesting quote from that article was respectability narratives that correlate success, respect and equality with good behavior also allow those in the dominant group to cite inappropriate tone, language, or behavior as acceptable reasons to reject necessary change. I thought that was very impactful because people use respectability politics to skirt the issue. Oh, for sure. Going back to police violence against black people, or any fucking people, because the police are violence against lots of different marginalized groups. But saying that we need to get it together in our own community before we go after the police is fucking stupid. One, the police supposedly, supposedly have a purpose to protect and serve. How can you say that the police as an organization shouldn't adhere to what their purpose is until we can treat our people right in a community? The police should be an example for every fucking community, and they are not. They can't be that because of the way that they were set up, and nobody yeah, has tried to dismantle that shit. But still. The police should be setting the fucking example. How about that? And I cannot believe that nobody goes to that. No, instead, you want to turn on the black community. It really uses respectability politics to justify harm instead of addressing what the real problem is. Exactly. Like the police are, depending on where, in white communities, you know, if you're in a more affluent, you're going to have more a faster response time and blah, 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 than if you're in a poorer white community. That's classism. However, nobody has ever said, well, the police help white people because white people don't kill each other. No one. No one has ever said that because white people are still killing each other. And white people commit more violent crime than any other group of (laughs) people in this country. Against (laughs) themselves and against (laughs) other communities. But nobody is saying that, oh, well, white people, you know, they don't deserve police protection until they stop killing each other. Then we can talk. No one says that to them. Mm -mm. And again, I'm not saying that it should be said to them. I'm saying it shouldn't be said to no one. I wanted to talk about some of the inherent flaws with respectability politics. Let's go. The first one was in-group policing. We get it there. Yeah, this is interesting because respectability politics is something that a group tries to implement within itself to get in the good graces of whatever the dominant group is, right? And this doesn't have to be race-related. These are just examples that we were using, but this is race-related, sex-related, sexuality-related, because I'm telling you, in the queer community, oh my god, there's heteronormativity perpetuated in the queer community. I believe it. Even though your sexuality is different or your sexual preferences are different from hetero people, you're still expected to have this... (laughs) 
relationship or family set up that mimics heteronormative behavior or heteronormative characteristics. And why the fuck? I'm queer. I shouldn't have to give a fuck. Exactly. Like These are two totally different playing fields. So anyway, in-group policing reinforces the idea that marginalized individuals must earn the right to be treated fairly. That's fucking wild. Deviation from respectability narratives are regarded as an affront or betrayal to the group at large. We've talked about this happening in the disability community. That was uh, mm-hmm. our episode on emotional safety. Actually, we mm-hmm. talked about that. So, a lot of crossover. Yes, we are very consistent in our beliefs, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> Another inherent flaw is victim blaming, which. Mm-hmm. See above to all the examples Olivia gave several minutes ago. By demanding that marginalized individuals visibly demonstrate alignment to respectability narratives, often through code switching in order to receive fair and equal treatment, the dominant group is able to excuse instances of harm and overlook systemic problems. It is so much victim blaming. All of it. That's got to be the biggest problem of all with respectability politics. Again. Your success cannot conquer white hatred. It can't. Even to take the burden off white people, it cannot conquer anti-blackness. You should not take the burden off of white people. That's true. They're not feeling it enough. They're not because they've not done too much to dismantle white supremacy. However, you cannot outperform anti-blackness if, in fact, someone harbors it. Which we all do, though, because of this broken society. Because of white fucking supremacy. So you got to get to the root of it. And white people built white supremacy and they keep it going by. But we all got indoctrinated with it. Yeah, that's why I was going. We've all at some point or other been brainwashed into helping to perpetuate it, be it overtly or covertly but here you and i are doing the work to decolonize our minds but that's not we're not everyone there are some people who still buy into this bullshit yes white black and otherwise another flaw is a moral binary and moving target which is essentially a logical fallacy for individuals in marginalized groups Just one action or characteristic that falls outside of established respectability narratives is enough to deem their overall character as immoral. And it's not good enough to be mostly respectable or adhere mostly to the respectability narrative. Like if you do one fucking thing that falls outside of that, you're considered immoral. And I think a perfect example of that is our episode on Claudette Colvin. The fact that Claudette Colvin was pregnant at the time that she was, yes, she was a pregnant teenager. And dark-skinned. Being a pregnant teenager is ultimately why the NAACP didn't want to take up her case, right? That looks bad. A pregnant, dark-skinned teenager. Well, dark-skinned too, because, okay, colorism plays a role, but it's like, how does that take away from the fact that she was wronged and mistreated? She, She was a pregnant child. Because there is that anti-blackness within the black community. The pregnancy is also the reason they didn't want to take her on. Yeah, but Um, they did not know she was pregnant. She didn't know she was pregnant. 
So it's not like she was visibly pregnant at the time. She was a teenager, and then you have Rosa Parks. She she was visibly pregnant when she was involved in the civil rights cases. Yes, she was. When she got kicked off the bus, she wasn't. Well, no, not when she was kicked off the bus, no. But when she was filing these lawsuits and going into court, she absolutely was. Yeah. Because I think her child, I believe he was born in May or something, and her cases took place in January. So you can mask some of that, I guess, but she was visibly pregnant during some of those proceedings. I think none of that should have anything to do with how poorly she was treated, whether it's her skin color, being pregnant, whatever. Wrong is fucking wrong. wrong but somehow wrong. it's, well, we have to be concerned about the dominant group. They're going to go, right? Because gonna they think? are going to go after her for being pregnant and a teenager, yes. But it doesn't matter. She's black, right? Like the dominant group have gone after black five year old children. I mean, there is nothing you can do, and that's what these people don't understand. It's like, they were fucked up, the NAACP. They done good, too, but that was fucked up still. The fact that these people didn't see it, and again, we recognize that this is people operating on self-preservation instinct and just trying to survive. Yeah. They were trying to figure their way out of this maze of bullshit where white people were coming after black people for any and every fucking thing that they could. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what it was. We were black. So it's not anything we could do right. You have people coming up with life-saving technologies and stuff. I think about like, I think his name is Vivian T. Green. And he invented the shunts that people get put in there in a heart that needs it. He could operate on people do open heart surgery and shit but there are people who are like no i don't want a negro operating on me even mm -hmm. if that means i'm gonna die even though he's the best of the best he's a negro so no i'd rather die respectability <laughs> politics ain't gonna confront gonna that get you out of that right it doesn't fucking matter I used to think about that too. I used to be one of those people who adhered to respectability politics. I was raised in the church and I am middle class now. So it's easy when you're coming from that perspective, like, well, if they just stop acting like hoodlums. If they would just do X, Y, Z and ABC, they wouldn't find themselves in these situations. And this is not attacking the real problem mm -hmm. of the systemic issues that put people in these situations to begin with. Another example is like the issue with sexual violence, right? Yeah. You cannot dismantle male fragility and male entitlement or any type of entitlement because obviously it's not just men who commit sexual violence, but it is right. most, it is mostly. <laughs> you can't dismantle that by going after what women wear and no. pretend like rape doesn't exist in countries where women are wrapped up from head to toe and still right. face sexual violence. Y'all are fucking oblivious. How do you not and that see? is some major cognitive dissonance. Exactly. Like you're policing everything that the victim does. What are you yes. doing? What are you wearing? Where are you going? How many people have you talked to? Were you smiling? Were you not smiling? Yeah. You're doing all this. They're not going after the people or the community that perpetuates that, perpetuates that violence. That issue. Yeah. In the black community, for example, I've seen this too many times to count. Say there's a young girl, maybe she is 13, 14. She starts getting sexually involved with somebody. This person could be 16, 20, whatever. Of course, I'm just speaking hetero specifically here, but even if they're the same fucking age, people will almost always 
go after the little girl. Oh, she fast. She a little fast girl. She a little fast ass, even though the boy is also engaging in the same behavior. They're not coming after him. It's, oh, well, she needs to learn how to X, Y, and Z. That's lifelong, though. I mean, I think <laughs> even even with adults, I mean, it starts in childhood. I agree with you. Well, for sure, yeah. Like, boys who get a lot of girls, you get this whole heartbreaker kind of trope, right. right? Like, he's a heartbreaker, he's a charmer, all this stuff. Hell, sometimes he, they even call him a fucking pimp. Ugh. Yeah, like, all of these are still considered positive. Positives. But women are considered whorish from the outset. It is... Not okay. We need to dismantle that. We need to work on that. And it doesn't even fucking matter, right? Because there are women who try to be as chaste as possible and still get called a slut because they're showing oh too much God. leg or whatever the fuck yeah. it is. Oh my God. Or they it's just stupid. They turn down some dude advancement. Yes. And now all of a sudden, well, you shouldn't be dressed like that. If you didn't want, what the fuck ever. You want to talk about some ways that we can combat respectability politics? Let's talk about it. This article that I've been referencing had eight ways to combat respectability politics. Obviously, they go into great detail. I am not going to because you can go read it. Yeah. And it is an article worth reading. It's a good one. The first action item is reject acceptance by the dominant group as the end goal or a goal at all. Yes. Advocate for nuanced representation at all all times to destroy any binary that respectability narratives promote this is we something we've been saying all along yes it's not just we are not a monolith but we should not be lots of people say we are not a monolith but they still expect us to be they still think we should be and mm -hmm. we should not i agree number two recognize that current acceptance by the dominant group does not guarantee safety please say that for the motherfuckers in the back <sighs> Three, accept that all individuals are worthy of basic rights. Yes. Four, educate yourself on the history of prejudices. I'm going to pause the list right Woo. there because this <laughs> is something that our education system has got us fucked up. The curriculum. All the ways. I'm going to go after the curriculum. Mm -hmm. Because not teaching people about the history of prejudices and now there's a lot of fight against it Ooh, they, they, oh, yeah, they do not want you to okay they want black people to keep thinking that we are inherently fucked up listen if i had a child I would not put them in american schools especially american public schools private either but no. i would have to do a lot of co-educating that's what i would listen. say i'm not gonna have a kid but i'm not against the school system inherently but i would have to do a lot of co-educating it's flawed very fucking because flawed. Is some pieces missing from the puzzle they be expecting the kids to do. Yeah. When you don't know where prejudices come from and you believe these stereotypes are just inherently true, you're not unpacking why people are mistreated and mm -hmm. understanding that it don't got nothing to do with being respectable. Mm -hmm. Number five, scrutinize what traits you find respectable and ask yourself why you believe them to be important introspection which a lot of people don't do ask yourself why you think it's necessary to even be respectable in order to be treated like a fucking human being point number two i think that was <laughs> referencing point number that was two. five a <laughs> six examine what negative stereotypes you hold and why girl i had to do that my yeah, damn self do. and God, that I'm is packing. where that's why we're here now, because I had a lot, 
a lot of negative beliefs about my own fucking about your people. own people i had a lot of negative beliefs about black people because i adhere to respectability politics somewhat coming up and then i found my way out of that sooner than i had a lot of negative beliefs about women about disabled people uh-huh. girl queer, queer people dude <laughs> a lot of them religiously uh Motivated. derived yeah mm-hmm. Truth. Seven, focus on the underlying issues respectability politics are attempting to address. That's good. And eight, actively engage when others use respectability politics as an excuse for harm or inaction by challenging and revealing their baseline prejudices. Now, that yes. is a massive fight. Because people do not understand that when you say shit like if women would just, they wouldn't deal with X or if black mm-hmm. people would just, they, you not understand and that you are practicing femophobia, anti-blackness, whatever the fucking case is, they don't even notice it. I remember this case. This was a couple of years ago and it was just she was a little black girl and they have video. It was child porn. All right. They were all children. But they have recorded her performing oral sex on these boys and the black community ran this little girl through like, well, she's just like she's despicable. This child clearly needs some help. These are all children and you guys are demonizing this little girl saying she's calling her all sorts of hoes and this and that. And she's going to be pregnant by I'm surprised she ain't pregnant already. You're not addressing the real issue. Like, why does she feel like she needed to do this? What's going on in her life that she's also, not being protected for this? The people who recorded that. And the boys. And like everyone Absolutely. who participated in that. Yes. Everyone. These, these boys also should be held accountable. Yes, they're children too. Because we're recording it and posting it on the internet. There's a lot Listen, of problems. There's a lot of issues. So many, everyone so many needs help. They just came after her. They came down so hard on this child. Grown as people. And nobody was trying to protect this little girl. That Well, she doesn't deserve because she doesn't. Yeah. How are you holding her accountable when an individual is a product of their community? She didn't. She did not magically fall onto a penis. Right. And then another one and another one. Right. Exactly. Like, that's not how that happened. That's, that's not how that happened. But you guys just fucking ran this little girl through like she was not deserving of respect were deserving of protection and like there was not a bigger issue at play here yeah there's something wrong with everybody in the video and everybody who criticized it oh for sure for sure because yes it's wrong but not for what y'all are going after of all the things that's the only thing you honed in on black people do better you can't it's gonna take some work but it's possible uh, the last thing I actually wanted to talk about with respectability politics is how there is a huge focus on what we're calling idea principles, right? Inclusion, diversity, equity, and accessibility. Respectability politics goes against all of that. Respectability oh, yes. politics is inherently anti-diversity because yes. it is pro-uniformity, pro-conformity, and... um if you are at all a believer in the positive aspects of diversity, you have to do away with respectability politics. I agree. And you should anyway, because it's a fucking waste of time. 
We're still fighting the same issues that we were fighting a hundred years ago now. Why are we still fighting for voting rights right now? Why are issues concerning voting rights on the ballot? This is some bullshit. This is how you know respectability politics ain't got us as far as we would like to believe. It did. But we still talking the same shit. We still asking for the same shit. Yes. Come on now. This is disheartening. We got doctors, lawyers, senators. We got all the shit. We've done the work, but the assignment is still coming back at F. We had a whole ass black president, but still. And hell, to be quite frank, after Obama's presidency, mm-hmm. all the bullshit started to go up. That's how Trump's ass got into office. Well, the that's how he like, got into office. Whoa. Yeah, people didn't like that. No they way. Were like, Hold and and Obama up. adhered to respectability politics. Yes, he did. Kamala Harris does. Yes, Ooh, she does. God, she all really of does. those the black politicians, they all, almost all, yes, adhere to black respectability politics because there's this idea that only those types can speak for the masses or elevate the whatever the fuck. I'm not going to say I love everything Obama said. I definitely got issues with Kamala Harris, okay? However, you know respectability politics ain't got us to where we want when even people like them are victims of a uh, misogynoir anti-black jokes and these white supremacist and racist ass comic strips and all this shit come on right now like it don't matter how much money you got and how much success we're talking about people who are very highly educated very well to do well off very successful and still cannot escape racism sexism Racist sexism and sexist racism and all. Come on. And because of their presence alone in the spheres that they occupy, white nationalism has increased substantially. White nationalists hate that we have had these people in these high offices. But you want to tell me that respectability politics is going to save us if we just dress nice, we just talk right. No. If we just have enough education, we've done all that and more. People hate diversity. They are going after it in the classroom. And and this is what people, this is backward, y'all. You got all these businesses with these idea committees and DEI committees, and then they're going after diversity in education curriculum. Magically, now you're supposed to be culturally competent as an adult when you got racists on your school boards. How are you supposed to get there? Where are you supposed to learn this, this competency? <laughs> Like, how? When you got sexists in fucking Congress, but you're supposed to be culturally competent when you... Rapists, but hey, somehow we're moving forward. Fuck out of here. I know, like, social media's got a lot of ills, but this is one of the aspects of social media I actually think is very positive, where you have people from different communities coming through and educating because we can't even count on educators to do it anymore. And it's not because our educators are bad. It's because the education system, the school boards, Mm -hmm. the fucking politicians are tying our educators hands. And so now it's up to us as a community to educate each other. And um, yeah, we got to let respectability politics fall to the wayside. It didn't get us to where we are. People practicing it have. Yes, they have done great things. They have helped. But it wasn't the respectability politics that did it. And we need to stop pretending like that shit makes a difference. I 100% agree. This is Intersectional Insights. 
If you like our content, leave us a rating or review to help the podcast. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you have any comments, questions, or topic suggestions, you can email us. I squared, I-S-Q-U-A-R-E-D, hello at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening.